Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Our gospel reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 15. This reading from God's word will serve as the basis or the foundation for our sermon message this morning. We remain standing out of respect and honor for the words and the work of Jesus. Luke chapter 15. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me! I have found my lost coin! In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. You may be seated. There are two kinds of people in the world. There are those who are wise, and then there are those who are otherwise. There are three kinds of people in the world. There are those who can count, and then there are those who cannot. Okay, one more. There are two kinds of people in the world. There are those who put people into two groups, and then there is everyone else. I don't know what kind of person you are, if you're the kind of person who rolls their eyes at the there are two kinds of people jokes, or if you're the kind of person who finds them pretty funny, but there's a reason for me sharing this, and that's Jesus. Jesus, in his ministry, really, truly met people who culturally were put into two groups. Even the Bible writers put these people into two groups. We read it just a moment ago. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So here you have it. There is tax collectors and sinners, and then there is Pharisees and teachers of the law. 
there were people who knew they had nothing to bring to the table, and so they clung to Jesus and hung on his every word. And then there was people who thought they were all that and more, and so they snubbed their noses and kept a distance. There were the people who were the lying, cheating, womanizing, prostituting, drinking, smoking, poor, miserable sinners. And then there were the people who thought they heard the faint applause of angels because of their exemplary life. There was these two kinds of people, and it's to both of them that Jesus tells two parables. Well, really three if you read the rest of Luke chapter 15. But we're going to look at the two parables that that Jesus first told to these two groups. And yet the parables are not about either one or the other. The two parables we're going to listen to aren't necessarily to call out one group or another. But rather, these parables are really about the one who is for both of them. These parables are about Christ Jesus, and they are intended to call them to the heart of Jesus. What we're going to see in these two parables was what Jesus wants to show us. He wants to show us his heart, that the heart of Jesus is a heart of love for the lost. How many of you guys know what an echocardiogram is? It is something that a doctor uses in order to show patients their heart. Well, I want you to think of these these two parables in that way. Except our great physician, Jesus, he's not showing us our heart. He's showing us his heart. He's showing us how his heart beats, or rather who his heart beats for. He's showing us how his blood flows, or rather, who his blood was poured out for. So what I want you to do today is is just sit back and rest. Rest as you look at the heart of your God and you see the hugeness of your Savior's heart. Just rest in the intensity, the, the intimacy, the intentional nature of God's heart for the lost. I want you to just see your Savior's heart. And then what I'm going to do to apply this parable to our hearts is ask you just one application question, okay? We read it before, but it's worth reading yet again. Now, Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. This is God's word so far. What we're doing is looking at the heart of our God. We're seeing that it is a heart that is a heart of love for the lost, 
And yet we're going to see three distinct things about his heart. The first is this, is that Jesus' heart is a heart that beats for the lost. This is really not saying anything different than our, than our grand theme for today, which is that Jesus' heart is one of love for the lost. But think about the shepherd. He has a hundred sheep. That's pretty good. That's a pretty big flock. And yet what happens when he loses one of them? He goes after it. You look at the woman and how she lost just one coin. And yet her ability to sleep at night or not, it depends on her finding this coin. So she goes out and gets it. Have you ever lost something before? Maybe it's just your cell phone or maybe, maybe it's something more, that's more difficult to get back than that. Maybe it's a wallet or a purse. Maybe it's something more precious than that, something invaluable. You're at the store or a crowded place and for a moment you lose your child or, or you think maybe you lost an opportunity. You know that feeling you get when you realize something's lost? That feeling where your heart just sinks into your stomach? With this parable, well, Jesus wants you to feel that, see that, that that's his heart. His heart at the lost drops into the pit of his stomach. And, and so what does Jesus do? Well, this is what you see. You see the heart of your Savior on each and every page of Scripture, all the way at the very beginning. What happens when, when the crown of God's creation, when, when you and me, people, lost the perfection, the relationship that they had with their Savior? He doesn't go, well, I had high hopes for Adam and Eve. No, no, he immediately comes after them. He goes after them. And then what you see unfold on every other page of Scripture is God's plan of salvation, his search plan to go and find the lost. This is Jesus' heart. It is a heart that beats for the lost. And here's the second thing we see. It is a heart that bleeds in order to find the lost. Think back to the shepherd. The shepherd loses just one. And yes, he has 99 that he cares, and yet he knows his heart will not know peace until he finds it. So he does the unthinkable. He leaves the 99, and at great risk, at great sacrifice to himself, he goes out in the open country to search for the one. Same with the woman. What does she do when the, the coin is lost? Lay in bed saying, Oof, hope that turns up in the morning. No. She springs out of bed. She immediately grabs the broom, turns on the light, and starts sweeping. She starts unfolding carpets, looking in closets, until she can find that one lost coin. And that is what our Savior wants you to see about his heart. It's a heart that bleeds, or in other words, sacrifices in order to find the lost. What does Scripture say? What does Isaiah, the prophet, say? It says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And what does the Lord do? Well, he does the unthinkable. He leaves his home in heaven. He leaves no stone unturned. He keeps every law perfectly. He fulfills every promise and prophecy perfectly. And then what happens? He bleeds. Isaiah goes on to tell us that he took up our pain and bore our suffering. We consider him 
punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we were what? We were found. I know it says healed, but that's what he did to find us. What does Jesus want us to see about our heart? It's a heart that bleeds in order to find the lost. And then it's a heart that brims. It brims. It fills over with joy once the lost are found. Look again at these two parables. What happens when the one sheep is found? The shepherd doesn't go like, that was the smelliest and stupidest sheep ever, so it's off to sale or off to the sacrifice for this one. No, no, he grabs this sheep, puts it around his neck, carries it home, calls up his friend, and throws a party. And this isn't a lamb roast. The lamb becomes the toast of the party, and he celebrates that it's home. Same with the woman. She finds the lost coin. And and this is the best part of both these parables. She celebrates. She calls up her neighbors and friends and says, rejoice with me. I have found the lost. Now tell me this, how many of you, how many of you have lost your phone and then the first thing you did is just call up your best friend and tell them all about how you just found your lost phone? How many of you have said, in fact, why don't you come over and tonight we're going to have a barbecue, we're going to celebrate that I found my lost phone? We don't do that. But Jesus does. Jesus does. If anything, this is the point that he wants you to see in both these parables. Look at how he ended both of his parables. I'm reading just the endings again. He said, I tell you, in the same way as finding one lost sheep, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to. In the same way as a woman finding one silver coin, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. There you see it. There you see your Savior's heart. It's a heart that beats for the lost, bleeds to find the lost, and then brims over with joy when the lost are found. So you're ready for the question? Here it is. Who are you? If you fill in the blanks, it's just three words. Who are you? As you look at this gospel reading, as you look at the plot of these parables, where do you see yourself in this story? If I can call them characters, uh, which character do you most identify with? I'll tell you what, I'll I'll make it easier. I'll, I'll make it multiple choice, okay? You ready? Option A, are you the muttering Pharisees and tax collectors? Not too many people jumping up for that one. Are you option B, are you the wandering lost? Are you the one coin, the one, the one sheep, the sinners? Option C, are you the remaining righteous? Are you the 99 the, that never left? Are you the nine coins that, that never fell off the table? 
Or number four, option D, let's call it. Are you the loving shepherd? The loving woman? Who are you? Who do you see yourself as in these parables? The neat thing about the master storyteller, the master teacher, Jesus, the incredible way that the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to record this scripture is that no matter how you answer that, you're right. The best answer is really I should provide option E, option five, all of the, all of the above. Because here's the thing about this story. It is a story that is not about you. It's not about the sinners or the Pharisees. It is about Jesus. And it's about Jesus wanting to reveal, to show his heart to you, but more than just show it to you, what he wants to do, whether you see yourself as a muttering Pharisee, the wandering lost, or the remaining righteous, what our Savior wants to do is draw you ever deeper into his heart. He wants you to take the truth of this parable and appropriate it to you. And so what I want to do for the remainder of our time here this morning is is just walk through these options and and how it is that, that we can be all of them. We start with the first one, option A, which is probably not the most popular one, that we are so often the muttering Pharisees and teachers of the law. You think about that. You say, nobody here would raise their hand and say, yeah, that's right. I hate outreach and evangelism. There's not been one single person here who's ever come up to me and says, you know, Pastor, I was really thinking we should really stop with that whole proclaiming the message of forgiveness for the whole world. We should really cut that out and not tell people about that. Nobody's ever done that. So how is it? How is it that we can be the muttering Pharisees? Well, think about this parable and think about the sin that Jesus is uncovering or warning us against in this parable. The sin is a failure on our part to see every single person as precious in the sight of Jesus. What Jesus is asking is, does your heart beat in rhythm with your redeemers? Does your heart beat for the lost? Does your heart bleed in order to find the lost. And right now, I'm not even talking about actual blood like, like Jesus shed on the cross, but how about this? Can, can you say that you even sacrifice your time for the lost? Does your heart brim over with joy over one sinner who repents? Or when someone repents, do you say, I told you that was dumb. I told you you shouldn't have done that. We say that it is our mission to proclaim the gospel to all people, that we are here for those who are not here yet. But are you really? You say you love the lost, but what happens when you see a social media post or or read a news story about someone who is culturally, ethnically, religiously, sexually, politically different? Does the words in your head say, I love the lost? doesn't say I really don't even like them that much. 
Do you love people unconditionally? Or do you wait until they take a class and officially join your church? What would happen? What would happen if if the people, the types of people that Jesus was hanging out with really did come and join this community of Christians? Would you rejoice as much over the one person who who looks like they rolled in off the street and and maybe they did and, and maybe they've been battling addiction for 30 years? Would you rejoice as much over them as that family of four who comes in with two parents and two incomes and two children who sit perfectly still and smile the entire time they're at church? These are the questions. These are the questions that Jesus is, is asking us to wrestle with when he asks this. He says, who among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one does not leave the 99 and go after the lost until they find it? And we're stuck sitting here going, boy, I, I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would leave the 99. The truth is, as hard as it is to swallow, and this is why it's a hard truth, We are so often the muttering Pharisees, and what that makes us is the wandering lost. And in some ways, that's even harder to hear, especially for a group of people who can sometimes be pretty proud that we're the found. But let me put this into context. Sheep don't try to get lost. No sheep wakes up and decides, well, today I'm wandering away from my shepherd. No Christian wakes up and says, well, today I'm going to start hating other people and be completely unlike Christ. It doesn't happen that way. But what does happen? Sheep nibble slowly, slowly, slowly away from their shepherd until they're lost and they don't even realize it. Applying that to us, no one wakes up thinking, I am not going to love the lost. I am not going to take time out of my life and my resources to seek after them. But the found become lost when they lose their Christ-like and Christ-given love for the lost. And what's worse is they don't even realize it. Option B, we can be the wandering lost. But here's the thing. Whether you are good and lost or bad and lost, whether you are a bad sinner who knows they're lost, or whether you are good and lost because you think you're really found the entire time, here's the good news about Jesus and his relationship with the lost. Jesus loves the lost. Jesus' heart is full of love for the lost. Jesus' heart loves every single one. And that means that Jesus will not leave you or me or anyone alive alone to their lostness. Jesus relentlessly seeks the lost. And do you know what that makes you and me? That makes us option C. That makes us the remaining righteous, the 99. Think about this. No matter how small of a coin you are, no matter how many times as a sheep you have nibbled yourself away, Jesus relentlessly pursues after you. Psalm 23 wonderfully depicts this. It ends in this way. It says, surely 
God's goodness, the good shepherd's goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That idea of follow, read it. We know the Psalm and it's kind of like, oh, okay, Jesus love and mercy just kind of like follows after me. No, 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 no. The word that is translated follow is actually most often translated as pursue, as like a lion pursues his prey. In other words, Jesus intensely, intentionally leaves the 99, fights till you're found and goes after you again and again. That's what his goodness, what his mercy That's what his love, his heart full of love, does for each and every one of us until the lost are found. Do you ever wonder how much you are worth? Here's one way to encourage any individual, whoever, whenever they contemplate their worthiness. You are worth as much, or you are worth whatever length someone has gone to find you. Jesus is that woman. Jesus is that woman who got down into the dirt and the grime of this life, and he did it to clean out and clear away all of your guilt and shame. Okay, that's kind of weird to say Jesus is that woman, so let me give you a more familiar illustration. Jesus is your good shepherd. Jesus is your good shepherd who pursued after you and found you when you were in the jaws of that wolf called death and he pried you out and he brought you into his arms. He brought you into his arms and he said to you, I loved you and I died for you before you were even born. You want to know the length to which I went for you before you even realized that you were dead in sin? I died for you. Before you even realized you needed forgiveness, I forgave you. I found you. I searched for you before you were even lost. That is your good shepherd. And there is where you remain. As Psalm 23 says at the beginning, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He now leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And there you remain. You remain as the remaining righteous, standing in joy beside your Savior. I wish I could say amen, but there is a fourth option. Option D, the loving woman or the loving shepherd. You are that. Because you see, Jesus not only showed us his heart, With this parable, what he actually did is drawed us all, drew us all ever deeper into his heart. And thereby, he gave us a a heart transplant. He took out our hearts of stone and he gave us his heart. What Jesus does with this parable is not only tell us about him and, and how much he loves the lost, he calls us all, everybody in the Christian community, to seek after the lost. Those of you who know how much the Lord has looked for you. Those of you who know how much the Lord has shed his blood for you, 
have the call of your Savior to go and look for those in the same way, to go and tell those in the same way, to go and rejoice as much as Jesus rejoices over you when just one is found. So often, we, we, we do. We get maybe confused or mistaken, and we think that when someone sins, that's on them, and it's up to them to repent and get back here. But that's not how Scripture depicts it. It shows it as us, the loving shepherd, the loving woman, going after them. Yeah, it's hard work. Yes, it means that we need to be, well, comfortable outside of our comfort zone, leaving the 99. Yes, it it means that we might have to sacrifice our time, our money, our resources. Yes, it means we're going to have to get uncomfortable with the really messiness of dealing with, well, sinner's sin. But you know what it results in? It results in a joy, a joy that is known only in heaven with God and his angels, but also us, among us who are Christ's called servants to go and partner with him to seek out the lost and find them and not stop there, but rejoice over them. Yeah, it takes hard work. It takes hard work to clean house. Yes, it takes hard work to shepherd. But you know what else it takes? It takes the heart of your Savior, a heart that beats for the lost, a heart that bleeds for the lost, and a heart that rejoices for the lost. And my friends, by God's grace, you have not only seen that heart, you have it. Amen.